for all you graduates, transition is tough. We're in a time of transition. And I just remember thinking back to, as a kid, all the transitions that we went through. I, I had to become so used to changes. And I remember when I was nine, uh, going into third grade, my parents moved us. And I had grown up in a, in a private Christian school with my siblings down the hall and my mom uh, teaching down the other hall. And we moved, and I remember wondering, am I going to have friends at my new school? Am I going to fit in? How am I going to make a name for myself? Are kids going to judge me for what I'm wearing and, and how I look or the words I use? This is the things that are going through a nine-year-old's head in the big move. Well, fast forward times two, and I'm 18, and I'm moving again. This time I'm going out to Abilene Christian for, for college, and I remember thinking some of the same questions. But this time I was not just down the road. I was 150 miles away from my home, from my church, from my family. It was a huge transition, but I thought, you know, I was a big shot in high school, and so, you know, I should be okay out there. But that identity didn't matter in a campus full of big shots. <laughs> so it was tough. And then I think about the transition from high school to, to college whenever I had developed this love for singing harmony with my friends. And I did LTC, and I, I sang uh, for a few, a few times, and I just knew I was going to go out to Abilene and, and try out for whatever group they had to offer. And so they had this recruiting group for ACU called The Light, and I thought, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out for that. I'm going to make it. I'm going to travel, and I'm going to do what God gifted me to do. And so I tried out, and my cousin made it, but I didn't, <laughs> which is tough. But, um, you know, the Lord provided in that transition. I was able to join a group and still able to sing because it's, it's not about us. But you know what? It wasn't long after that that I met Gina. And I'd say that transition worked out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, is all of us go through these times of transition, right? For, for me, some of them that come to mind um, most easily are, are the ones that they were big. Um, for instance, when I graduated college, graduated from Harding, had a degree, I moved to a new town, a new city, a new place in Cleburne, Texas. I started a new job. Um, within about a year or so, I had met my future wife. Um, we imported her from Oklahoma <laughs> before Amazon. Um, and and we, we met and we got married. And so we had this new house and I started graduate school. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a counselor and I said, I'm so anxious and I'm so worried all the time. And everything that's happening right now in my life is good. That there was nothing going on that you could look at and say, well, there's the problem, and there's the problem, and there's the problem. And he said this. He said, the problem is change brings anxiety. And you have everything changing all at once. And even though it's good, it's all different. When I moved here, I was leaving a town that I'd been in for 10 years and I knew what life was like in that city. I knew my way around, and I knew um, my job, and I knew the people there. And I made this commitment to come here to Tyler, Texas, after 10 years in one place, in relationships that had been so formed through ministry. 
and we made this decision to move to a town that I'd never really been to other than coming to see a football game and play one baseball game two times in my entire life. And started a new job in a role that I had never done before. And it was so stressful because everything was changing. And here's the deal with transitions. Because you need to learn this right now because the rest of your life is going to be about transitions. And a transition is simply this. It's the move from what is known to what is unknown. For for me, it was going from a school that I was comfortable in into a new job, and now I was really, really on my own. Because in college, you still have your fallback of your parents, right? Like, hey, Dad, I'm out of money, and I need you to put something in my account. And, And when you get out on your own, it feels a bit awkward. When, when it's kind of, hey, you're a big boy and you got your own bills to call and say, hey, dad, I, I'm out of money. Um, dad, if you want to send money, you can. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but but it, it feels strange, right? And so there's this transition that happens. And the reason that it brings anxiety, the reason that it brings worry, is because it's that move from the known what's comfortable, what, what we're happy with, what we're accustomed to, to something that's completely unknown. And, and there might be some certainties as we move that way, but at the same time, we aren't really sure what it's going to actually look like. And that can be scary. And that's why transition brings anxiety. It brings worry. It brings some fears because we're making that move. And so here's what I know about you, seniors, is there's some worry right now about what comes next. Because what you've known is fixing to change. It may not be a huge change, but there are going to be lots of little changes along the way. Things are going to look different. And in the midst of things looking different, you're trying to figure out a lot of new stuff. What's my major going to be? What school am I going to? Am I going to go on to get graduate education? What about relationships and friendships? What's that going to look like? What about money? And as you graduate, what job am I going to do? Am I going to be able to get a job? How am I going to pay for my car and my, my house and my insurance and all these things? And, and so understand this, that right now there's that tension and that worry, but those things don't go away. They change, but they don't ever go away. Now, what makes it so difficult for you right now, and, and I think everyone can relate to this, is your transition, your move from what's known to what's unknown, comes in the midst of a world in transition. Because right now, what's different about any other time and any other class that's gone through this is our entire world is in flux right now. And there's questions with a pandemic going on. There's questions with racial tension and political tension. 
There's this stuff that was so known in our world that now seems very unknown and very uncertain. And your transition comes in the midst of a world walking through transition. And what psychologists and and counselors are saying right now is they're seeing this rise in depression and anxiety, this fear. And they see people self-medicating more than ever before because we have access to self-medication better than ever. And social media and food, Netflix. And it's possible to completely lose yourself in the context of everything going around, going on around you just simply in your little self-made bubble. But there's a better way to handle it than just simply hiding from it. And thankfully, Jesus tells us the secret. And I don't think it's an accident that the part of the Sermon on the Mount that we're at lines up perfectly with this day in Matthew 6, 25 we read, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Now the word worry in ESV is translated also as anxiety. Do not worry about what your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worrying by worrying, add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, tomorrow's thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith? So, Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Think back to a time, maybe not that long ago, when you were worried about something coming up. Maybe um, in your life, you knew that it was coming, and so you spent a lot of time worrying before it happened. And then it happened. Think back on what Jesus said. Is he right? Did worrying, did that give you more time? No. Did did it ruin the time that you actually had? Probably. See, Jesus' command tells us, do not be anxious, saying, well, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? These are questions about an unknown, an unknown future. And right now, there's so many in this time of transition that it's important to really listen to Jesus' words and to pray and to meditate on them daily. And for you grads, you might be thinking, well, what, what will I do? Where will I go to school? Where will I fit in? Who will my friends be? Will I make new friends? What will I do with my old ones? What career path will I take? Will I be good enough in what I choose? Will God make it obvious to me? Will will I make it out on my own? These are questions that we all asked when we were in this stage of life. Mm -hmm. And some of us may still be asking these. And all in all, questions aren't bad. But what you do in anticipation of the answer 
makes all the difference. And what I can tell you is that everyone in this room has their own list of worries. But you can trust us. We believe this is true. We believe Jesus and that he wants us to be together and to help each other through these worries. Because we all ask these questions. And we're going to be honest with you, all right? Just because you ask them and pray and do the right things, it doesn't mean they're going to go away. There will always be transitions in your life. For example, work, right? You get that career, you get that major, that degree, and you get that job. What happens next? You stop worrying? No. The next transition might be a promotion or something you've got to work hard to get to move on in your career. It might be the end of your career and you're thinking, oh, I've got to transition to retirement. I was just talking with my mom yesterday about that transition. It's tough. Or maybe you've retired and your next transition is just staying healthy to be around for your family. And right now we can't take that for granted. Another transition might be relationships. We all have to deal with relationships. And so the transition from maybe your, your high school friendships to your college friendships or your college friendships to your spouse, your spouse to your kids, your in-laws, and the transition that all that brings, like high blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the transition is more about school. Like right now, it's on our minds, right? We've got little kids. We've got college students all going to school. And school has never been harder to decide what to do. Do I even go in person? These are, these are questions we're asking. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it safe for my child to play sports with the school? Is the school doing a good job? These are just anxiety-filled questions. And yet, Jesus reminds us what to do. Because none of these issues are going away. And that may be scary. But he has the answer. He says, do not worry. Which is awesome. But how do you do that? Right? We, I mean, we can just say, well, here, here's, the, here's the solution. Don't worry. But the question then becomes, well, how do we do that? How do we live a life where we're not constantly worried about what's next and actually enjoy now? Where we're not constantly looking ahead, worried about what happens? And Jesus' answer is simple. It's super simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And the solution is don't worry about tomorrow Simply live today. And he says this in verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many people, um, you can leave that up, Dustin. How many people are worried or concerned or anxious about something coming up in the next week, the next month, the next year. One, most of us, I would, okay. How many people are lying? <laughs> yeah. But he says this, how do, you, how do you not worry about tomorrow? He says, but seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. 
And when we hear seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, immediately our mind says that's a directional thing, right? Let's move in the right direction. But first and foremost, it is not a matter of direction. It's actually a matter of identity. But before we ever get to direction, it's about identity. It's about who we are in Christ. And if we can't get that right, the direction won't be right. No no matter how much you want to try to pursue and put things in place to help you follow, if you don't get the identity right, the direction will not follow. Because you will constantly be searching to figure out who you are. And if you were here last week, if you watched last week online, we said this. If you could put it up on the screen, because I don't remember what I said last week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I remember, just don't remember how I worded it. But if you lose sight of the identity you've been given vertically, right, then you're going to begin to search for it everywhere horizontally. If I lose sight of who God says I am, I'm going to start looking to all of you to tell me who I am and what my job says I am or what my boss says I am or what my spouse or my kids, what they say I am. And first and foremost, and this is why first and foremost it's identity and not direction. Because if you're allowing all of those other aspects of your life to tell you who you are, Your direction is always going to be moving in different places. First and foremost, this is a question about identity. And when you truly begin to grasp your identity, I can promise you your direction will follow suit. And so thankfully, Jesus tells us, here's how you're going to deal with this anxiety. I really enjoyed uh, riding in the van this summer with Katie. I told her, um, well, let's talk about your, your favorite memories from the past in the youth group. And she talked about wilderness trek. And, and I went on wilderness trek. And we talked about that, that feeling of, of summiting at the top of the mountain. And, and, you know, that's the great feeling when you get up there. But before that, you're in the wilderness. And you're kind of lost. You know, you, you hope you have a few things help, helping you know where to go. But if you're alone, it's kind of, you're worried, right? And I liken this feeling of worry to being lost in the wilderness. I've got four ways that I think you can navigate in a, a wilderness of worry. The first one, you've got to admit where you are. And that, you know, in, in the wilderness means a GPS, right? You've got to know where you are to know where you're going. But before GPS, what did they use? Compass. A compass. And so a compass tells you what direction to go. Or it points you in the, what directions there are. You have to decide. But in spiritually, you know, you might be thinking, well, what does that look like? How do I know where I'm at? Well, you've got to talk to God about it. You've got to be willing to stand up and say, God, where am I? Who am I? And, and what do you say about me? And when you know that, then you can talk back to him and say, Here's where I'm anxious. Here's where I'm worried. And he will provide. 
The second thing is we join other people moving in the same direction, right? That's what Trek is, right? You don't go off by yourself. It's a big no-no. In the wilderness, you, 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 all, you find other people. Spiritually, you find other people who are doing things that you want to do, and you go in the same direction. Here at Silo, we have a community that does that. We are all committed to exalting Christ, encouraging one another, engage in the mission, engage our neighbors. These are the things that your community has committed to doing with you. You can't do it alone. And when things are getting off path, you've got accountability. You've got people who are saying, hey, walk with me. We're going this way. The third thing is practicing spiritual disciplines. Now, this one's tough. The word discipline in and of itself is probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever have to, to do. It's a transition from doing what you want to doing what's best for you. And we know that we can't decide that. And so we look at scripture for God to tell us that prayer and meditation, admonishment, accountability, praise, gathering with your church. These are spiritual disciplines that you're going to have to choose to do and that we choose every day we come together. And a lot of people, by the way, came together for you today. Fourthly, we want to rely on committing to a long obedience in the same direction. As Eugene Peterson pins in his book, by that title. You see, when transitions happen, if you keep your eyes fixed, just like in the wilderness, on one point, and you move in that direction, no matter what's going on around you, eventually you'll reach it. And eventually you'll notice that you went straight. That's what a long obedience looks like. It's, it's putting those spiritual disciplines into practice and seeing what the Lord can do when we are obedient to him. We have so many people in Scripture that we can follow and in your life here to watch. You see, when you know who you are and whose you are and what his call for you is, then you'll find that no matter what the transition, no matter what wilderness you're in, you won't have to worry about direction because your identity determines that. You're going to wrestle with this. This is not something that we just moved on from and we've arrived. Gary and I are not here because to stand over you as if we've become in the masters of this. No, this is, we're still dealing with this. This is something that will never change. And so that's why it's so important that you first orient yourself with who you are. Mm -hmm. And that will answer the question to how do you handle worry? Those are the four ways. But do you trust your God-given identity? Yeah, and, and that's so important to the faith to, to keep going right now, right? And, and I'll hear so many people at, at different times, they'll say something like, you know, I think God wants me to go feed starving babies in Africa. Like, I would al always just simply say, well, well, that's awesome. One, how do you know that? And two, and I think more importantly, that may be true, but that's not where God has you right now. What God wants from you right now is for you to be faithful in the place that he has you. And if he wants you to feed starving babies in Africa, then he will get you there. The question is, will you trust him here and now with where he has placed you? 
And and I I think there are, are stages where God kind of pushes us along. He moves us out of these places that we've become so, so comfortable. Um, And one of the things I've said um, just time and time and time again, and I hope it's to a point where you're kind of starting to get tired of hearing about it because that means it's starting to become a little bit more ingrained, but it says that from um, God, there we go, God will take you to places you have not chosen to go in order to produce in you what you're incapable of producing on your own. God will take you to places you have not chosen to go in order to produce in you what you're incapable of producing on your own. The Bible calls that grace. There are these moments I firmly believe we have reached a level of growth for the place and the season we are in. And I think there are times that God nudges you out of that place of comfort. Because he knows that is the only way that you're going to grow beyond where you are right now. I think Ben has had one of those nudges here in the last year. Yeah. It was um, just the beginning of this year as Corona um, started to really make itself known in the United States that um, I was going on with another battle. And I realized that there was things not quite right in my neck area. And so it was uh, February when I got a diagnosis of thyroid cancer that had spread to my lymph nodes. Now, my whole life, I'd never dealt with anxiety. Well, I take that back. I had never realized that that was a struggle until this year. Now, dealing with teens in one of the most anxious times in your life and really in the history of of our nation, Um, I felt ill-equipped before to really say, yeah, I know what it's like to be anxious to the point where you're struggling to function. But it wasn't much longer after my diagnosis that I realized what that was like. I had a seven-hour surgery to remove the thyroid and the lymph nodes, and it was a waiting game. And many of you know that waiting game, the biopsy prognosis treatment, the recovery. And that's really what got me. I I didn't really know any answers, and and I'd been used to so much control. And so I I laid there recovering with my wife caring for me, and everything just started going dark. And I remember thinking, this is not normal. I can just get out of this. And and I realized that it was not going to be on me. It was going to be something else that was going to get me out of that hole. And so I constantly told myself, breathe, listen to God, pray. And those spiritual disciplines I talked about earlier came in and saved me and pulled me out of that. And I remember listening to acapella in my ears blasted at midnight because I knew that it was God's promises that were going to get me to rest. And sure enough, they did. It was a few weeks later, um, that I, I came out of that, that fog and I realized people are dealing with things like this every day all around us. And especially now as we all struggle in these difficult times with our health, I, I can realize now that my ministry is different 
My ministry is more than just youth ministry. It's, it's helping you through the darkest times and helping and, and relying on y'all to help me through it. But most of all, trusting the Lord in his goodness and his word to get me through those times. And that's what perseverance is. In James 1, he tells us, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because it produces perseverance. And in the midst of this battle, I'm developing this perseverance, and I can see that God is using this trial. And he's teaching me that though my ministry might be changing, my identity doesn't. And that's true for you. And I want you to notice something real quick about Ben's story. Okay? When, when we hear, don't worry about anything, I think the tendency is to kind of think, well, okay, just kind of sit back and do nothing. But it's not permission to be lazy. There's a, a parable Jesus tells of um, these three men, servants, who are kind of given these bags of gold, the equivalent to bags of gold. One's given five, and one's given two, and one's given one. The one with five takes it and works with it, invests it, and doubles it. The one who's given two takes it, works with it, invests it, doubles it. The one who's given one, though, he buries it and does nothing. And the reason he does it is so tied to fear and worry and anxiety about the future. Because his answer is, I was worried about what would happen when you came back that I didn't do anything with it now. Do you, do you get that? He was so focused on tomorrow and what could happen that he missed out on an opportunity he had today. Guys, it is so, so important right now in the midst of the fear, the anxiety, the worry is to keep going forward, to do something, to do something as you follow Jesus, to do something to own your identity as Christ has given you. So how do you do this practically in your life as we kind of finish up? Seeking the kingdom and his righteousness today looks different for each of you. But one thing that you can all agree and hopefully um, understand is that your perspective doesn't, doesn't need to change, right? Who you are. You decide that, and your identity will be intact. So some things regarding that, when you go out into this next phase of life, whether it be uh, becoming a student at another campus, you're going to need to look for other Christians, right? As we said in wandering through the wilderness, find other people. Let them know who you are, who gives you value. And the sooner you do that, you'll realize that those friendships are going to be true and they're going to last. And likewise, the other direction, if you don't establish that with your friends, they're not going to know and you're going to have some hard times in that transition. Or maybe you're going right into the workforce flipping burgers. Hey, flip burgers as if you're working for the Lord and not for man because he's there and his blessing will be there even in ways that you don't expect it. No matter the path you choose, whether it be college, or the workforce, or the military, you all have an obligation to honor your father and mother. And so don't forget that. They care for you. And that special bond is not going to change just because you're transitioning. 
They are special gifts from God, and they aren't going anywhere. So make them proud. Remember that transition doesn't mean we're kicking you out. No, it doesn't mean you need to abandon the past. It means we're here, and you can use those of us around you to help you in this transition. Find a place to serve here in Shiloh. Join a ministry. Some of you have already been doing that. Great. But there's ministries here and there's people here. And there's shepherds and deacons and ministers who would love to hear about how you need to be used in the kingdom in this new way. The transition will be easier if you do that. And lastly, when you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, your identity is not found in who you in, in what you do, but who you are when you're doing it. That truth, that will drive your motivation for direction. And if your motivation's rooted in your identity in Christ, then there's an amazing transition that will take place. So, this is a transition time. It's this move from what is known to what is unknown. And God has given you this beautiful identity in Christ that you would cling to, that you would define yourself by, that it would change you and change everything about you. But here's what you're going to find, okay? Listen real close. We hear this as a command. But if you will get the identity, and and it's something you will have to wrestle with every day for the rest of your life, but if you will begin to believe that identity you have been given, what we see as a command will actually become a blessing. Because that identity will change everything that comes out of you as well. And now, all of a sudden, you're not going to have to live your life looking back over your shoulder, trying to remember what you told them and making sure you have your truth straight. Because your identity has formed you in such a way, with such character, that what flows out of you is always what is true and what is good and what is right. And if you will get that identity right, you won't constantly be searching to try to find it from everywhere else because you will know who you are. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's going to be this moment where who you are in Christ means so much to you, matters so much that you're not worried about tomorrow because you found the blessing that Christ is taking care of today and that he will be there to take care of tomorrow. Can you imagine? Could you imagine what a difference it would make in your life? How that worry and anxiety would be stilled. I mean, and and, and for everyone, does that not sound like an incredible blessing that you could wake up tomorrow not worried about what comes next? Because when you live your life worrying about what comes next, you always miss the blessing of what's now. And so I want to do this, and and, um, I want to ask our seniors to stand. And then I want to ask everyone else to stand. Because typically what we would do for you guys is put you in the middle, and everyone surrounds you and put their hands on you. And I think the CDC would say, that's not real good right now. Um, so we want to do the best we can in the circumstances we have. 
And so I want to just ask you, wherever you are, just to reach out your hands towards these seniors, okay? Since we can't just physically put our hands on them. And I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as well. Father, we thank you for each of these graduates. And Father, for Aaron as well. These seniors that we're sending off in such a crazy, crazy time. Father, we want them to know that as a church, we are here, we are committed to walking alongside of them. No matter how difficult the road grows, that we will be here no matter what comes. And Father, we promise that we want the very best for them. We want them to know that. We want them to feel that. I want them to feel each and every hand reaching out towards them this morning. Father, we pray your blessing over them, that you would guide their steps. Father, more than guiding their steps, that you would create within them such a profound sense of the identity that you have given them. Father, that it would transform and change them forever. God, we're grateful to gather in your name, to gather with them, to walk alongside them, to support them. We pray your richest blessings on them during this time of transition. And Father, for our world as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.